Hey, I'm Dr. Drew, and you're listening to Drilled with Dr. Brady Podcast. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Drilled with Dr. Brady podcast. Join with me again, back to his co-hosting duties. My privileges have been restored. Privileges have been given back to him. Congratulations. No, I was not quite, I'm not nearly as entertaining as your parents. Uh, Yeah, Uh, (laughs) if you guys haven't listened, my mom and dad were on the podcast uh, last episode. It's great. If you want to learn... Some embarrassing stories about yours truly. <laughs> you can find out. How'd you like my questions? <laughs> I didn't use. I didn't I know. use a lot of them. I noticed. <laughs> so that might answer your question. Um, okay, let's do this. Let's. Um, I was just talking to Lowell. I'm late to the game on this, but I have been really into the show alone. And I mentioned this to Lowell, and Lowell's like, "Oh yeah, I've seen every episode." I'm like, oh, well, I just started like two days ago. And I know there's like seven seasons, but this is an amazing show. And if you're not familiar, it's basically they put 10 people. It's like a wilderness survival show, but it's like legit wilderness survival, right? Because they're, 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 they're their own. The people are their own camera crew. Yeah, and they're also. Not like Bear Grylls. They, where they like, still do have wellness checks, but that's, I guess. Do they? Like, yeah. Like people come to them and like, so yeah. there is some. Periodically, they have to have wellness checks. I wonder what that's all about. What's the wellness check? I don't want to blow details for you. <laughs> uh, okay, so the wellness check. I think it's like every two weeks or something. They send a, uh, they fly in or boat in wherever they are. Yeah. There's a couple locations they shoot that show, and uh, they check these people's like body mass index. They check their body fat content, how much they've lost, their blood pressure. You know, any indicators of a health problem. Interesting. In results from there, and they show that on the show. Yeah. Do they show them doing wellness checks on the show? Yeah, some people get bounced because they don't pass the wellness check. Oh. They're I'm like... I'm not trying to blow details for you. But no, that's fine. It's legit. I, so I started it because... They get too thin or I something. know who won season six because he was on Rogan. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, He's also... I'm, I follow him on uh, Instagram, too. His Instagram uh, uh, is pretty... It's pretty good. Yeah. And so I was like... I was interested in the Rogan episode. Uh, so I, I... That was a long time ago, actually. And... Um, so I was like, I'll just start season six because I'm, I'm interested to watch. Because of the conversation, I was like, I'm interested to see this guy in action. It's always interesting to think about, like, how long you would last. And my answer is not very long. I'd last a very long time. I mean, getting food is tough. And I feel like you would last longer than me for sure. Uh, I feel like what I'm learning, I'm only, like, five episodes into the sixth season, but I'm learning, like, dude, even people you think are, like, rock stars out there like the smallest little thing and you're done yeah it's uh, one of the things you i've really learned about the show is yeah it does have a lot to do with um because i've just watched tons of seasons and i've watched the variants too because they have these 
different variations on this survival thing. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that I've learned is like the most important thing for these people is attitude. It's yeah. Attitude and being able to like, like mental men- toughness. It's a mental toughness game, yeah. you know, because your body's going through all these changes. Obviously, there's some physical, there's physical stuff, but it's really more about your emotional state, <laughs> like your mental state. And those are the people that, you know, last. But you can see them flip too on some of them. Like these people oh. come in super bright and hunky dory and cheery. And then you see them lose their mind. Yeah. You see them like descend into madness. Like oh. you see, it's crazy. There's one variation of this show where they have, um, I can't remember what it's called. It's called like the carcass or something. Or anyways, they basically drop these people in inhospitable locations with a, uh, there's a dead animal that they have to like process and stuff. And the better they process this, the longer they last because, you know, it's good food. One was like an alligator. They mm. couldn't even cut the hide. I mean, like it was crazy. Yeah, I'd die. Yeah. I would die. Um, uh, there's another fun show. That you might want to check out called "Dude, You're Screwed." Okay, and if what what I've this, never heard of that. Yeah, I just I I'm into bushcraft and survival stuff because I grew up doing it. Bushcraft. Yeah, my dad. I like that word. <laughs> my dad, uh, you know, taught us how to like survive in yeah. the wilderness with barely anything and hunt game and you know all yeah. this stuff. Um, so I, I get into any of these shows, but this show, "Dude, You're Screwed," is amazing because it's like I think it's six survival experts. And they're trying to screw each other over. So basically, they will randomly, like, kidnap one of their crew and drop them in some horrible place. Okay. Like, uh, like the western coast of Africa. Okay. I'm talking black bag, bound up, and like with nothing other than what these guys would hide survival items on their person. But they would like search them down. Sometimes they'd sneak stuff through. Interesting. It's pretty rad, though. No, I like this stuff, and I, I always liked it with uh, what was that guy, Les Stroud? Yeah. Um, and Bear Grylls. Those were like the original guys, and then I found out Bear Grylls like would do this stuff and then go sleep in a hotel that night. Like they would film the stuff, and like literally, he wouldn't stay out. Like they'd film him like setting up a shelter for the night, and he'd go sleep in a hotel and go back to filming the next morning, <laughs> and wake up in the shelter and pretend like it was all pretend. Now Bear Grylls is probably. I imagine he's probably good at this stuff. I mean, I, but like for the show, he didn't actually. It wasn't like Survivor Man or nothing, you know. Like, it, yeah, he didn't actually do anything. Like he just shows how to do it, but didn't actually do it. And then he eats some weird crap, you know. I eats, love like, this genre of stuff so much that um, uh, I've gone off. Like I've seen movies that are kind of based around this premise. Like one of them is like a mockumentary of like alone or survivor man or anything called Tex Montana will survive. Okay. Um, that's pretty good. I like the name Tex Montana. You know, like a out of favor survivalist decides to not do the fake survivalist stuff anymore and tries to do it for real. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, the rest is history. There was a guy on an episode I was watching last night. His name is Ray and he's from Vancouver, Washington, actually shout out. So, um, uh, Ray, um, shot, a squirrel with a bow and arrow and uh kind of nicked it he didn't really kill it just kind of nicked it so he but he got it enough that he dazed it and was able to like catch it but then like he caught it and it was still squirming around so he had to like slit its throat really brutal like like that's just a squirrel right but then later on he's filming himself and he's crying he starts sobbing because of how bad he feels about, like, 
he uh what was the phrase he used we had an um he says through tears we had an uncommon familiarity and i betrayed his trust about the squirrel right <sighs> and he hadn't eaten anything like he he was eating berries he wasn't eating like it, he had gone like 10 days without any source of protein at all he had like one fish in 10 days he was a, he was crap at catching food um so he finally kills this squirrel but he like starts sobbing about it. i'm like oh these people lose their minds and it was like day like 18 or 19 which is a long time. That's a long time to be. Yeah, to be like sleep deprived. I mean, that's almost three weeks. Deprived. Week. Yeah, and um, it's cold. This this season, season six is what I'm watching. It takes place in the uh, uh, Arctic Canada. I mean, it's like yeah, but it's, uh, I north. can't remember the lake, but yeah, it says Interior Canada, which is a uh, as you it's know, a large lake. Uh, one of the things, the reason that it's like the interior of Canada is definitely worse than the coast is because as air travels over land, it becomes colder. Yeah. Okay. So if you're thinking midwinter. Uh, you know, on a lake in the middle of Canada, like like there's places like just example like Fairbanks, Alaska, which is dead in the interior of Alaska, gets to like sixty, seventy below in the winter time. Yeah, I wonder if like longitudinally, if that's like equal to where these people are. No, it's south. It's south. It's south, but like, not much. So the season takes place even even more north. It's Arctic. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's for real Arctic, and that yeah. stuff's crazy. I've been out in that stuff. Um, Fairbanks isn't technically Arctic Circle. No, like it's not, no it but it's the... below the Arctic Circle. Okay. Um. So, but still, it gets crazy cold. <laughs> yeah. No, that place. Yeah, those places are crazy. Uh. Anyway, it's delightful, and I like watching it. And um, it's nice to watch it in the comfort of my own warm bed. <laughs> There's <laughs> be uh, like, oh, I'm glad I'm not doing that. No, I watch stuff like that from the comfort of my like warm recliner. Uh. But I also watched like uh, I started watching my 600 pound life. Mm. That's that's while I'm eating. <laughs> that's one uh that's one i gotta be prepared for i gotta like mentally prepare myself to watch that it's addicting though you start watching it and you can't stop well i just uh, i naturally want to root for people um back to the alone thing another just a cool little like offshoot of alone that you need to check out is a sci-fi movie on netflix called man versus okay and it's basically a survivalist type that goes into the, uh, I can't remember exactly where they drop him, but he's away from his people. He's by himself, and aliens invade. Nice. Yeah. Aliens invade where he is? Yeah, or... an alien ship crashes near him. Oh, okay. I thought like he's maybe all like by himself. aliens take over the, the metropolitan areas while he's out. Yeah, that too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he's That'd be weird to come home. That'd be weird nowhere. to come home to. Anyway, the person who lasts the longest wins five hundred thousand dollars. Uh, I watched one where it was a million, and then I'd like I've okay. seen like it's variance. Every season's a little different. Oh, okay, that's cool. No, I'm excited to get through it, and I'm excited that my wife likes it too because I was like, I think she'd like this, and she does. And I was uh, so I'm super excited because it's not often that we find a show. That we're like both pretty excited about. Me and my wife do pretty often, and Alone is one of them. Alone is actually a show I watch with my wife. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good, and my wife is not like really like outdoorsy, and like she would last uh, twelve minutes uh, in the Canadian interior. Maybe, probably not even twelve minutes. She would tap out really early, but uh, um, uh, she likes the show anyways. I really feel like my wife would like wreck that show. <laughs> yeah uh anyways let's do this um i want to do a new thing on the podcast a new thing a new thing hey oh, you nailed it nice you're getting better uh, yeah you're getting better and i haven't even labeled them yet i know we need to get banana stickers or something i should 
I want to start sharing with our listeners and those who care to listen the things that I've learned about life from being a dentist because I feel like there's a lot of crossover. And this is probably true with any profession, and you, that you could, especially if you deal with a lot of people and you have to deal with people, especially if you're dealing with people going through something they don't want to go through. Uh, you learn a lot about people, about life. You learn a lot about helping people, helping yourself, making sense of why people get angry, you know? So I made a list of the things that I've learned. I shared part of this list with Lowell. At least, uh, you know, at well, least you're a dentist and we, we, we do uh, have a, like a proctologist on the show and ask them what they've learned about life. <laughs> that would be nice. Put that, write that down. Write that down. Write that down. We're going to do you that. You sound like me. Find a proctologist. <laughs> so here's what I, here's, here's, um, here's what I've learned. My first lesson. Uh, maybe I should share, mm, no, I'll just share the first lesson and I'm going to give you guys some examples of this in my dental office and then let Lowell kind of chime in too. Uh, uh, hold on. Where are my notes on my phone? Where, where'd they go? My kids, it's here's sidebar, sidebar counselor. Um, court stenographer, read back the minutes. You don't have kids, so you don't know. But a couple days ago. My front page of my phone with all my little apps, my little squares, you know, mm-hmm. everything shifted one to the left and one's gone. And I don't know which app is gone because my kids get my phone and they delete crap. So I think everything. So then anyway, it throws me off because I'm used to where things are and now they're not there. So I don't know where that goes. Also, I don't know what app is missing from my phone. I feel like I go through my phone a lot. I'm like, I need everything on here. But one's gone, and I don't know which one it is. <laughs> yeah, you went all super parent on there for me a minute. Like, you don't have kids. You don't understand. Well, maybe your wife takes your phone and, I mean. No, no but I do have little kids around my house all the time. No one's going to They delete. have erased stuff off my phone. Yeah. So I'd be like, here, play a game on my phone. Mm-hmm. Shut up. <laughs> okay. 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 So here's the first lesson, guys. And I want to, I want, this is, this is going to be some philosophizing. All right. This is going to be some interesting, interesting concepts that I think. Uh, and I'm going to share you how I learned this in what aspect and what capacity. And then we're going to try to, uh, incorporate that into real life and why these things are important. First thing that we need, first thing that dentistry has taught me about life is that a source of authority is crucial if we are to know what we need to do. So let me elaborate on that. You may before going to a doctor, uh, go on to WebMD and diagnose yourself. I think a lot of people do that. And with dentistry, that does happen from time to time. People will tell you what's wrong. People will tell you what they need to do. People will uh, uh, doubt your diagnosis. Or... Erica Lynn. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, <laughs> the phone. Jeez Louise. Turn your phone off, man. And turn the Bluetooth off. Um, so uh, people will question your diagnosis. And, uh, I mean, like some people will not, right? Question your motives. (laughs) Question your motives. Exactly. Exactly. So the, what it boils down to, to me, what I've learned is that, so people, someone comes in and they're like, I think I should do this. So for example, something might happen where, Hey, you need a root canal. 
And they would say, the patient might say, uh, but my tooth doesn't hurt. And I say, I know that, but you need a root canal. And I would give them some reasons why that might be the case. And I would get some, uh, you know, people are going to do one of two things. They're going to accept that. Maybe they'll ask questions first and then accept that. Maybe they'll ask questions and they'll reject that, right? They'll say, but the point is, a person in my chair likely doesn't have the ability to make the proper assessment on their own. And so they have to defer to some source of authority. And in that situation, it's me. Maybe they don't like me. So they go to a different dentist and uh, maybe they accept that source of authority. But they're looking for a source of authority, and that becomes uh, super, super crucial that you have a source of authority so that you know what to do. Uh, I personally have a high degree of suspiciousness when it comes to medicine, for example. So when my son was, how old was he? Young. Uh, and they actually discovered this in utero. Well, um, that he had a valve from his kidney, not his kidney, his bladder to his urethra that allowed backflow. So the valves in our body are one direction valves, right? So you have two, uh, you have two of these little valves in your bladder that empty into your urethra and then, and then that's how you pee, right? Well, one of his valves allowed backflow. What they said is that can cause uh, urinary tract infections. And those are bad in dudes. And bladder infections. It's actually harder for dudes to get them because of because uh, uh, they have a wiener versus a vagina. But once they get them, there's another little valve that switches, you know, from your bladder to your testicles. And it's like if that they can muck everything up. Well, and then from your bladder goes to your kidney going yeah. backwards. So it's it's yeah, so it could be potentially damaging. Plumbing's delicate down there. Anyways, we went to this pediatric urologist and I just didn't feel good about it, man. But obviously I have no idea how dangerous this is. I have and this is all this guy does basically. He does these procedures. It's very common. So I'm sitting there thinking, what if he never does it? Like, what if I lived uh, a long time ago and they wouldn't have caught this? Like, would I know any, like, what are the chances of that? Like, I've never had a urinary tract infection. Neither have I. Yeah. yeah. So if he wouldn't have had, a, if he doesn't have a urinary tract infection, um, then he'd never have a bladder infection. And, uh, but maybe it's because, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, the point is, I'm very suspicious, but I have no way of knowing. So I have to defer to authority. That's the only thing I can do. If you don't trust doctors, you're screwed. What are you going to do if you don't trust doctors? You're just going to be your own doctor. And I don't think that works out well for people. Uh, what else did I want to say? We're just powering through it, so I'm letting it letting you run. Well, so... Um, you know, a doctor's favorite patient is a patient who's just like, hey, I trust you, doc. Like, whatever you, like, you, you're you're the expert. You got to tell me what to do so I can do it. And one of the problems we see is that everyone wants to be an expert on whatever the news, the trending news story is, right? So you have people who are, uh, this is always the joke made on Facebook, is that all your friends from high school are all of a sudden experts in virology, because of the COVID-19 virus. And then they're experts in foreign affairs because of the Afghanistan fiasco. And then they're experts in, in uh, 
you know, police training because of all the police brutality information going around. And all of a sudden, everyone wants to be in that. But really, uh, we're not. But the bedlam is created when nobody realizes that they aren't. Like, you have to defer to certain people, I think, uh, and have certain authority to know what's right, just to just to know what's right versus wrong. And if I wouldn't have eventually trusted this doctor, then I wouldn't have got had my son go through surgery at a young age, which was uh, terrifying for me to put him through that. You know what they do? They make you, when they put the mask, there's a little mask that goes over your child's face. They made the parent come in to put the mask over the child's face, and you see your kid's lights go out. I mean, you see, like, they, they're open, you put the mask on, they're laying on, a, like, a little bed in the operatory room, and they, they just bring you into that, and they told, the reason was they said they want your child to see a, comfort, a comforting face, not a scary foreign face. But you put this, like, plastic mask, breathing mask over their face, and you just see your kid's lights go out, dude. It's, it's, uh, it's terrifying, man. Um, anyways... What was I getting at? <laughs> uh, uh, where where are we, Lowell? Um, you were talking about people need authority. Um, I don't know some, but this is the thing. Oh well, what would have happened is is uh, you know my son could have had a disastrous infection that would have been one hundred percent my fault because I didn't. Could have hit him later in life too, but when there would have been less they could have done about it. That's true. So you know I was faced with the decision to either trust this doctor with what he does and his abilities and his ability to diagnose, or I do my own thing. And doing my own thing, uh, the arrogantness in all of us makes us think, I think, that, we can, yeah, we can do our own thing. But, uh, but we can't, not in everything. And only probably in a few things are we, I mean, how many things can you be an expert in all at one time, right? You, at some point, you got to defer to a, let's just call it a higher power, right? A doctor, for example, uh, that, or, or a dentist, so I just see what happens when people disagree with me um, because I legitimately feel like I operate my office in a way that I'm trying to help people. Um, and if they think their own thing and they do their own thing, well, they're, they're basing that on whatever they, their level of expertise is, which is probably not as much as mine in dentistry. So I see the disastrous effects of neglect and waiting and not, not acting and and um, and because they maybe don't see me like they see your doc, they see the dentist as oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just trying to make money. Anyways, that's it's uh you worked at Beacock. You so you've probably done other things too where you feel like you are the man in charge. You're the you're the person who who knows stuff. And uh, uh is, is this registering to you on any level? Are you? Mm-hmm. Are you thinking, like, are there places in your life where you've seen that? Well, yeah, yeah, you've definitely dropped a lot of information here, so I'll just try to pick it up from the beginning. <laughs> um, uh, first of all, modern social media has given us everyone a voice. There used to be a time where to be an authority figure, uh, to be someone that you know gets to pontificate on a nationwide scale, you had to be someone of importance. You had to earn that right. Yeah. You don't have to be that anymore. Right. Any idiot with a cell phone can be an armchair expert at anything they want via social media, and all it takes is like mm-hmm. a little blow up, and then millions of people are following them, and then it's a domino effect just down the line. 
Um, yes, but working uh, like just re- recent example, working at um, at Beacock Music, obviously people will come to me for my expertise in musical equipment. Right. There's a certain, and it's very much like you. You know, you have a service you are offering them. Same thing that I was doing. Um, they do. There is a certain modicum of trust and responsibility that comes with that. You know, like one of the things, and there was, I worked with a very variations of um, personality types. Me, the whole commission based system was really icky to me. You know, I, I totally I wanted to help people, but I didn't want to feel monetarily incentivized. That if I steered them in a direction, you know, maybe that was beyond their means or beyond their capability, you know, that, you know, that I would feel really bad about that. So I always tried to just, my my biggest, um, like, mortis operandi was to just get them what they need, what they're ready for. If they're ready for that jump, then, you know, encourage them, but not encourage them into something they don't need. I was uh, not, there was other people, other sales guys that, that did not have those scruples. Sure. You know, they so I, I met get, one. Yeah, you did. Uh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, <laughs> this is the, I mean, this is really the thing though that you're talking about. Like, people come to you to trust, you know, to trust, or they don't. You know, obviously, like when you were having talking to your, your child's surgeon, you know, the doctor that you didn't, you know, you just weren't vibing with him. I mean, that's that's important too, you know, but. I think if you have a medical issue, you should see a doctor. If you don't like what they have to say, you know what? Go see another doctor. Well, the part of the problem was me, I think. Part of the problem was like my own skepticism of medicine, basically. Well, I'm pretty skeptical about everything. You know this. Yeah. You know me. Like, you think you're skeptical, man. I'm the guy that's like telling you, like, I don't like this. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's take it like something simple. Let's say you're at a restaurant. And uh, and you want to know what's good there because it's your first time there. And who do you ask? You ask your waiter or waitress. You say, "What's like, what's like the most popular dish here? What do you like?" And you start getting um, some data from them. And I would consider them to be experts in the, in what I want to know. I want to know what's good here. What tastes good? They don't know my tastes, so you know that's why I say, "What's the most popular? What do you like?" Um, but it's like, imagine they say what they like and I order something completely different. <laughs> like, is like, that's, that's the dick move, man. That's like, why are you even asking? Like, why? Like, obviously you're just going to order what you want to order. So just order what you want to order. Like, don't even ask. Don't waste my time. Right. Right. So if I'm asking what's the most popular thing here, cause I want to know what everybody else likes here. And she tells me he or she tells me, I don't want to misgender this hypothetical Waiter or waitress. Them or they. Them or they. Zim or zer. If Zim tells me, uh, let's not go there. Digging a hole, dude. I know. I know. (laughs) I don't know how to use pronouns. Stop digging. I thought I knew. I don't know. Um, Yeah, but that's that's a deferment to expertise, right? I'm deferring to you. Tell me what's going. I don't know what's good here. Uh, But imagine the arrogance if I walk into a place that I've never been. And I start telling people what's best there. Like, I wouldn't have the foggiest idea of what's good there, right? And so that you would imagine, like, how unscrupulous I'd have to be to just start telling people what's good at this restaurant that I don't know anything about. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. But, and the consequence of me doing that is choosing something terrible, right? The, the, the probability goes up 
of me choosing something terrible or at least not choosing the best thing that I could have chosen, right? The, the probability goes up of me getting that good meal if I defer to the judgment and expertise of the person who works there and tells me this is what's good. This is what everyone orders. Most people like this sandwich. Most people say this is the best burger they've ever had. Most people say this is what you should do. Um, and then the probability of me being happy increases because I've chosen to defer to somebody who knows better than me. Um, and trust that person, even though I don't know them. Well, slightly, slightly a little bit variation of this, but whenever I go to a new restaurant, and you have taken me to many a new place. I know. Um, I have I have expanded your culture. It, it's <laughs> my fast food by, culture. By taking you to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> or Qdoba or Costa Vida or <laughs> Shake Shack, the, the holy Shake Shack. I'm still mad at you for ordering chicken. At Shake Shack. I should have put a stop to that. Yeah, you should see, you could have, you know, I trusted. I should have not allowed you to make that decision for yourself. I just didn't, man, sometimes burgers just give me heartburn. Um, see, that's an example. You chose wrong and you paid the price for it. Now you don't know what a Shake Shack burger tastes like. I do too. You've been to Shake Shack? Yeah, we went in Philadelphia. Oh, that's right. That's right. And yeah, I got we, a Shake Shack burger. You know what happened? That's right. I got heartburn, but it was good. It was it worth was it. Totally worth, worth it. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Um, it's just, I mean, it's about communication skills. I mean, and, you know, like, there's, there has to be a willingness in, in a person to trust somebody else. That, and that could be potentially in a predatory position. Potentially it could be. You know, that's, the, that's why people don't do it, right? That's the leap. That's why I thought the surgeon was like, is he just, is he just trying to get numbers? Does he realize, like, you have a 12-month-old baby, like someone, like, in your like under the knife like that the imagining that just was like it, terrible like just making an incision in my my little tiny child like that w is so bizarre to think about and it put me in a place that i never had thought i could go but it dark very dark uh when just thinking about that and just thinking like it doesn't seem that life-threatening to me one of the things that you you know that i've noticed too just in my experience is that that trust, you know, has to come, you know, it's, it's, it's a leap of faith sometimes with folks to trust advice, especially the more critical it is, you know, like you say, like, uh, you know, you got to remember when you're talking to these people, say that you get a reaction, you, okay, I'm just going to do an example, personal example. Okay. Uh, this was long before I met you. I went into a dentist and you could tell this dude was burnt. Okay. Jaded. All right. Burn jaded, and that's fine. And at the time, I didn't think of it this way, but in retrospect, I definitely am kind of bringing back. But he was super curt. He was very un unforgiving, discompassionate. I mean, like, uh, and, you know, I just thought this dude was an a-hole. You know, like, this guy's not, like I, dude, I got perfectly good money here. I actually am here to get something done. Yeah. And this guy's just treating me like I'm garbage. Mm-hmm. Now I wouldn't be as judgmental because I believe that it's like just having do that, you know, like being an, like an expert in something and having people come to you all the time. And sometimes they throw any attitude or whatever. And with you, I'm sure they're nervous and there's this whole other list of things that could, you know, be affecting them, you know, like fear, bad experiences, what their friend said, WebMD, you know, like there mm -hmm. could be a mm -hmm. list of things. Is this that you got to like, 
you know, I, I always fought that urge to be, you know, short with somebody or curt with somebody it personally when I was trying to help them. And sometimes I would do it because you know what? I'm a human being, dude. And like sometimes, you know, you're just not in a great mood. Sometimes you don't feel good. Yeah. Well, it, when I think about this concept, I think about myself like I think about my patients who come to me and they ask me for these questions and like how important it is for me to be that person that like I'm going to shoot you straight. I'm going to give you the best information I have that I can and um, and try to do it in a way where I'm not like coming off like I'm trying to convince you, right? Like I don't want to come off like desperate, like um, it doesn't come off as a sales pitch, right? But um, uh, because I recognize the vulnerability of the people in front of me, right? They are one hundred percent at my mercy. If I, uh, I mean, I, you, you, um, did you ever listen to Doctor Death? Did I make you listen to Doctor Death? You have made me listen to Doctor Death. It's great. Season two. Do you listen to season two? I haven't listened to season two yet. So season two, Doctor Death is a podcast, and it's. Um, uh, frightening, especially if you already have a healthy skepticism of medicine, don't listen to Dr. Death. But also go listen to Dr. Death because uh, the first season's about a spinal surgeon named Christopher Dunch who is just maiming and killing people. Second season's about an oncologist. I forget what his name is. But he was telling people that they had cancer and they didn't have cancer. Eek. Like, and he was doing, like, chemotherapy on them and attaching them, like, uh, to, like, these, uh, you know, whatever, these liquid drips of medicine that they don't need. Because he was just racking it, just just charging uh, uh, insurance. Just, just, basically, it was an insane insurance fraud. And both these guys are in prison now. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, but... That's how that's how this podcast journalist uh, finds out about these cases because they get in trouble and looks at the lawsuits and does these exposés on them and tells you kind of how that happened. But the idea is like, uh, you know, you, you I would never question a doctor if they told me I had cancer, but I have no way of knowing that for sure, except for the doc tells me that, right? Like I don't have any way of saying like, do I actually? I don't know, maybe. If I don't see a growth going on, I don't know. Well, a lot of times when people go into, you know, just to just, uh, you know, from my experience, um, a lot of times when people get diagnosed with cancer, um, it, they, they go in to get a check for because there's something happening. Mm -hmm. you, you know, there's some kind of event that leads them to the doctor. So maybe, you know, if it was just like some random, you went in for like a, you know, like we're, we're getting to be about that age when you go and get your prostate exam. Yeah. And the doctor says, hey, you know, I found something. I might be skeptical. But if I was having, like, problems. Yeah. And they said, I found something. You're you're kind of already opened up to the idea that there's something wrong. Right. And that's why it's hard when people say, my tooth doesn't hurt, but you need a root canal. That's what people, people are so, they're like, well, if I need a root canal, why does my tooth hurt? And I have to explain, well, there are situations where root canals are necessary and your tooth doesn't hurt. And that's just the way it is. This uh, is. I have an interesting observation, and this is something that has been working with you and doing, like, Drilled and then doing Halo and stuff, and just having a lot of dental experience, you know, being in an office, being there during procedures, being there while you're talking to people, you know, seeing everything, like, like the daily workings, so to speak, um, and then talking to my friends about it, you know, or the, they're telling me about their dental experiences, and uh -huh. I really feel... Like, sometimes 
they rewrite history in their mind. Oh, you know what I mean? I'm nailing it on that. Yeah, I just saying like they're telling me stuff because I see it, and I don't just see it from when like you're performing, or there's like a camera or anything. I'm talking just being there. I'm in your office a lot, and it's like just being there for the hub and bub, regular hustle and flow of a dental office. You hear some stories, and you're like, I don't think that could ever happen. One that I hear all the time, all the time. I've probably heard this a hundred times in my career, at least. The dentist was pulling a tooth out. My last dentist was pulling a tooth out. I had to put his knee on my chest. And if you talk to a lot of dentists, which I do, almost every dentist you talk to has heard that line dozens, if not hundreds of times. So this line of a dentist putting their knee on my chest is being told by people all over the Is country. This the 1940s? Did you get your tooth pulled in the 1940s? When I don't know, man. I don't, or whatever? I, I don't know. But so many people tell that story that it's just like this like made-up thing. It's like a story they were telling. They they think of it, and they want it to be true. I don't know. Maybe something well, like they, I think they, they human, want it to be true. I think it's human tendency to kind of rewrite history in your favor. And then if you if you... If you tell the rewritten story enough times, it just becomes, this is the way I tell the story. This is the way it happens, even though... Your brain tricks you into thinking that that's true. Exactly so right. I've seen a whole, like, I've watched a whole bunch of stuff on stuff like this where people kind of rewrite history in their own mind, and it becomes factual to them. Right. So the other story I like to tell about this is um, a gentleman comes in my office, and he tells me a story that he had this sadomasochistic masochistic, uh, dentist who, for no reason, just, like, started drilling on his teeth, cutting half his teeth off. And when you look at his teeth, he had a lot of wear on his teeth. And you could see where um, the bottom teeth and the upper teeth kind of fit together in these weird kind of, like, uh, like if you look at, like, like, a brick wall, like way, the way the bricks kind of come together, right? Um but you could tell it's from, from a dentist's perspective, it's like, this is from wearing your teeth. This is from grinding. This is from grinding your teeth together over years in time. And I started to explain this to him, and he stops, and he gets really mad at me. He says, don't you dare tell me that this is from grinding my teeth. I've heard that so many times. That's not what this is. When I was nine years old, a dentist hacked my tooth to pieces. And those teeth wouldn't be there. So that's my, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know I've told you the story before. It's, um, I'm just saying that's just my logic. Like if you had half of your teeth cut off and you had all of that, you know, inner portion of your tooth exposed over the course of your entire life, your teeth would be gone. Yeah. So the, the thing, the first thing I said to him was, if this happened when you were nine years old, half the teeth in your mouth that have this appearance weren't in your mouth at nine years old. Because you had a mouthful of baby teeth, uh, a mixture of baby teeth and adult teeth. But I can tell you for a fact that you did not have all your adult teeth at nine years old. And he said, well, it might have been 12. And I said, yeah, even then, you wouldn't necessarily have had all your teeth in your, in your mouth. That's a big difference, nine and 12. For, anyways, the guy was wrong. But he had told that story that way so many times. And he had, got, he had, he had been met with resistance by enough dentists who told him it's from grinding. So... Yeah, like at some point, this guy is going to drive himself crazy because he doesn't have an authoritative dentist that he trusts. He just has himself. But he's coming in there being combative, too. That's another thing just as a human being. Well, he's the expert. Yeah. He knows. The armchair expert. How dare you tell me what happened to my teeth? They're my teeth. I know what happened. I can say I can look at your teeth and tell you your story is wrong. 
Your story is not true. But I know that, but he doesn't, he doesn't recognize that. Um, and obviously a dentist didn't do that. I mean, like maybe a dentist could do that, but that's like, you know, I don't, I mean, it's not impossible that a dentist would do that, but I mean, it would be, it's not, that's not what it would look like when he bites down, everything fits together. The other thing about that, I told him, I remember telling him was like, well, the dentist cut the bottoms and the top. So they fit all together like a puzzle piece. Like when, so when he bites down those teeth (laughs) on the bottom and the top, like they touch intimately and you're saying he just like drilled and hacked away and got it right. Like that just like landed together like a perfect puzzle. Like, no, it's not very likely that he would like, it would take tons of time. Like it would be like meticulous amounts of time to line everything up and drill things so they fit together. The way this dentist jigsaw. I mean, like right. Right. So it's obvious that a dentist didn't do this in like a little fit of rage. Like it would have been meticulous, meticulously detailed to get every little nook and cranny to fit into the opposing dentition. So it was obvious. Anyways, but that's another example of like why you're just lost without an authoritative position, without authoritative, a place you can go to for authoritative information. I, I really think so, but I think that's not, uh, I, I think that's on, on like a personal level for everybody. That's just something that you have to like a choice you have to make for yourself. And it's just everybody's so polarized these days, you know, especially like say, you know, in like the last 10 years, mm-hmm. it seems like people are getting more polarized in their opinions and what they think is right and not being open to the idea that they could be wrong. Correct. I just see it more and more. Like people are just immediately, I'm on the mountaintop, they're on top of the soapbox, they're just like, I'm screaming injustice and I'm right, you're wrong, and there's no room. You know, the the world, I'm sorry, but the world is not black and white. The world is gray. It is all gray. I mean, there's always just variations leaning to the left or right. There is no black and white. It's, it's a gray world. So, you know, you have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt and kind of swallow your own pride every once in a while and take mm-hmm. advice that you need. That's exactly right. I've told you before, I think everybody has their Bible, right? And the thing that they look to uh, as their authoritative uh, messenger from on high, right? The thing that if you say... Like right now with COVID, I just hear a lot of people saying, well, the CDC says this. And so that, or the FDA, the FDA approved this. this. So you have this like source of information that is questionable. The FDA has been wrong. The CDC has been wrong. Uh, uh, there's been some outright lying that's occurred. Um, uh, but people have that source. They say, well, this is where I'm trusting my information. This is where it has to come through. If it comes through this line, then I'm going to accept it. If it comes through a different line, uh, I'm not going to, which is why you get the ridicule of people being their own virologists, right? People being experts in immunology and virology and microbiology when it's like, you you know, some of these people barely graduated high school, but they have strong opinions on, on whatever the news of, of the day is. But you just see how people get lost this way, right? This is just, this is, this is the path to just being lost because if you are just on your own, you are a goner. You are going to mess up. You are going to get things wrong. You have to have something that is, this is where I'm going to choose to take my information from. 
Well, it's still a leap of faith, though, because the entire, like, America media system, and especially news, it's not news anymore. It's mm-hmm. not news. Everything is sensationalized. Right. Everything is polarized. Everything is, like, it's entertainment. It's not news anymore. But for some people, those news organizations are their Bible. And that right? they should reevaluate something. They should. They uh-huh. should. I agree with that. I mean, you should, as an adult, I mean, just as an adult in general, you have to be able to take in multiple sources of information and figure things out to a degree for yourself. You have to do that. I mean, like, there's just so many different sources that it's going to be on each individual to to identify whatever source they, they feel is their, you know, the, the source on high. Right. And you just got to make those decisions. But it's not easy. It's not made easy for you by any means. And it's, it just gets worse and worse every year. Yeah. Um. I think, like, the, the, the core of your, 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 um, your premise for this podcast, I don't think is, you know... Um, it's about the sense of authority. I think plenty of people have a sense of authority in their life. Is it a good sense of authority? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think it is identifying, <laughs> personally identifying a sense of authority and, you know, being able to trust in that and, like, you know, basically figuring out strategies for fi- deciding who you can trust and who you can't. I mean, that's like, it's, it's a slippery slope. But I think the question that you're posing here is much broader than the way you've posed it. Well, and I'll, I'll admit, I have a religious component to this. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm aware of this religious so, component. So I believe, uh, I believe in God, and I believe that is the ultimate moral authority. This is where I get my information from. This is where I personally get my right and wrong. What's right, what's wrong. And I have a... A, there, there is a system for receiving that information to know. And that helps you through all the confusion that you'd see everywhere. You know, you, for example, uh, CDC says this, but, well, the idea is like, uh, uh, let's say uh, science is what you throw around. You uh, Follow the science is what you hear, right? You got to follow the science. Well, science disagrees with science. You can find a scientist, I mean, Big Tobacco had scientists on their payroll. Oh, I can remember. Right? Yeah, I read a, I watched a documentary about an old school, very old school, like 18th century uh, medical study on the medical benefits of, marrow, of uh, tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> if you go back that far, you can find the medical benefits of heroin and cocaine. Radium. All, that, all, the, all the good stuff. All the good stuff back then. But you have, um, you know, let's just say sci- science is what you... So the idea is, well, what scientists... What are you talking about? And even with God, you could say, well, I believe in God. Well, what God? Which one are you talking about? What, uh, what, uh, what doctrines are you specifically talking about? Because that's very different even within Christian religions. The doctrines are completely different. So it gets even more dissected out and distilled down to very specific types of things like, what, uh, uh, you know, how do we feel about marijuana? How should I feel about marijuana? How should I feel about um, cocaine? Versus marijuana. How should I feel about drinking alcohol? How should I feel about... So, in there is a certain, a certain amount of obedience that I learned. And that's a very triggering word for a lot of people. Obedience. Which is interesting to me. Because that's ultimately what... I think you could tie that right together with discipline. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Obedience breeds discipline. 
to whatever you believe is the authoritative. There's a there's still an authoritative thing you're you're going at something that you believe that you should be disciplined for, right? <sighs> Anyways, um, but also the person that has no God has. I mean, if there's no God, then you have a moral compass that you just come up with on your own, right? If you have no authority. I don't think anyone like, I, I really see what you're talking about as far as having the religious higher power versus having some like, you know, um, person that you, you follow or organization that you follow that you use as your barometer or source for higher calling. I really feel like it's, it's all the same issue. It, it really is like learning who to trust and learning how to trust. And I really feel like, see, you grew up in it, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, or when to submit. When yeah, do I submit? But this is something that has always been with you, and you it's a comfort to you. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it gives you guidance, and, it, you know, you, you wholeheartedly believe in it. Some people right. don't have that, and some people, you know, weren't raised in it, and they're trying to find something. Mm-hmm. that they can believe in and everybody's searching i really feel like the entire world's searching hell i'm searching but and the reason why it comforts me that's a good word to use the reason it's comforting is because i recognize how useless i am on my own and to have something that's a compass some north star and i'm not saying everyone should have god as their north star uh i'm i'm just saying there needs to be a north star when you come to my dental office you need to treat me like god that's what I'm saying. Yikes. <laughs> no. And Brady okay. is no longer a member of the church now. Uh, <laughs> his hubris has had him You will address out. me as Dr. His Holiness. <laughs> um, but, but there is some, listen, as a dentist or a doctor, there is, that's why they say doctors have this God complex. But that is what's going to get you the best um, kind of relate, is your uh, willingness to submit to that higher power which is the doctor or the dentist in that situation the advice that i could say if we have listeners that are listening and are like you know well, i just don't trust doctors or dentists and this is the thing and this is the piece of advice i give to my friends when they ask me because i get a lot of friends asking me like mm-hmm. a dental questions and i'm like listen i'm not a dentist I'm not i mean i'm around it a lot sure. but i'm not a dentist if you want an actual opinion go see a dentist and if you don't like that dentist you know what Go shop around. Find right. one you do like. Yep, exactly right. You know, and do some business with them. Look on, well, you know, Yelp can be just as much of a, a ground. But, you know, if the, the majority of the reviews are good, you know, you're probably okay. Uh, right, yeah. I would say same with religion. Or, or, uh, yeah, but you can't like Yelp. You can, you know, the Mormon well, church. you can shop. You can, can shop. You, does the Mormon church have you a can Yelp go, page? You can go visit different things. Um, uh, or just don't have it. But I would say if you say, if someone were to come to me and say, I just don't trust doctors or doctors at all or dentists, my response is then you're screwed. Well, let's just use church as the example. That's what, that's, that's what you get to accept is that if you don't, you're screwed. You're as good as what your brain is. Use, that's it. Let's use church as the example. If you go to a church and you like it and the people are nice and what they're saying makes sense to you and you just, you know, go with it. If you go to a church and everything they say sounds crazy, and these people are just crazy people, and you could don't understand them or get them. Yeah, go to a different one. Right. You know, like just you gotta have. There's got to be a sense of you know, you know, responsibility in choosing your 
whatever that North Star is. You have yep. to take the responsibility, but you also have to be willing to trust. I think that's the wrong. That's what's wrong with this scenario. Yeah, really and is boiled down trust. Trust, which is is that's um, that's where the willingness to submit comes from, right? The willingness to submit to someone or something. That's where that comes from is a trust in in this in the source, right? Like if you told me, just example, Doctor Brady not only is my bro, my boss, he's also my dentist, but like. If he told me, like, I, I wanted to get, like, example, I wanted to get some implants for some missing teeth that I had in the back. Yeah. Uh, and I talked to Brady about it, and Brady said, yeah, we could do that, but you're going to have to have a sinus lift, and you really don't want that. And not a week later, I watched and filmed a sinus lift procedure, and you know what? I don't want that anymore. <laughs> It's not as bad as uh, it looks. It looks it, it, scary. It's just, it's just like, you know what? Yeah. It's not worth it. But I get <laughs> it from a non-dentist, from a non-dentist perspective, watching that must have been uh, alarming like, for you. It's like, oh, an entire day of crazy stuff happening to this person's face. Yeah. It's like, no, you know what? I can deal with the occasional Dorito that gives me a stab in the back there. You know what I mean, dude? I can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um... You know, these are just little tidbits of things that I that I gather in my journey in life that I want to share with people because I think it adds value to I think it adds value to life when you find uh, a source when you recognize how important authority is and where you and how you recognize authority and where you recognize it coming from and um, put in perspective where that source is because you nailed it on the head when you said there are people with sources of authority that are not, that they should reevaluate, right? If, uh, if a president or a political figure is a source of your authority, that's probably one I would say across the board. I don't care if you're de Democrat or Republican, uh, you should reevaluate unless you're a libertarian, then you've definitely got it right. <laughs> then, then you're definitely on the right page and you are in the right camp. Don't worry about it. Just keep on going along with that. But that is, uh, you know, I would say probably a poor choice uh, because they are so commonly wrong and so commonly, not all politicians, I shouldn't say that. There are a couple good ones probably, but they are so commonly um, duplicitous in the way that they talk, in the way that they act, in the way that, they, and, and the idea that they, they are putting themselves out as people who want to look out for you. Sure, some of them are, but most of them are 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 not. You know, I feel that way when I go to a mechanic. When I go to a mechanic, I don't know anything. I know nothing. I know more in a in a medical setting. I do know a lot about like mechanics and stuff. Uh and I feign ignorance when I'm talking to a mechanic. Sure. To gauge them. Yeah. That's yeah. a good that's a good yeah. idea. You know, I know enough to be dangerous and like I just gauge them. I pretend to be completely ignorant. And I've actually found a mechanic in town. He was awesome. I mean, he was literally just so compassionate and so like just slick, explaining everything to me. Not like I'm an idiot. Like yeah. I'm in just layman's terms, you know. Yeah. Broad stroking it, you know. So, yeah. Dude, all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. You're getting way better at that. I know. Uh, I know. I just this is all. This is like this is my closing thought. Okay, closing on thought um, on Brady's life lesson. <laughs> is that if you. Especially, okay, we can talk about any any of the things that we've talked about. Religion, p 
politicians, news organizations, social media, influencers, whatever. Any of these ideologies that you're using as your North Star, it's the responsibility of every, let's just say American, since we're in America, to take all of those and measure it against common sense. Okay. You know, because there's some people saying some real wacky things. And I mean, just out and my, my just normal intelligence level sense of common sense is just like, that is insane. But simultaneously, there's people who are eating it up. Those crazy things that people are saying. I am aware. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, no one's going to believe that. But then you're like, oh crap. A lot of people are buying into this. So you see where the, like the, the misplacement of that authority is like. It's it's like way out of whack. When we way talk about things, I just I, I, I just <laughs> I just kind of lose faith in humanity a little bit the more I think well, harder on it, dude. <laughs> that's why I'm sharing these lessons I've learned. Yeah. I think this restores faith in humanity when you're able to find these sources of authority and stick with them. For example, when people find a dentist they like, oh man, they refer everyone to them. Because they felt like that's so inherently valuable to people, and they don't even like recognize really exactly why it is. But it's like, here's a source of authority that's actually good. Like, trust this guy or this gal. This is a good dentist. This is a good mechanic. You want, you know, my mechanic. I love my mechanic. Oh, what? Give me his number. Let me let me find where where can I where can I get? I need I need help. Like people are constantly out there looking for that suggestion. So you're right. People are searching. Like, where can I find? You know. Where can I find, you know, someone who's good? And when you do find that, man, you share that with a lot of people. I really think that our our, our, our particular views on this are really stemming from a place of our that has to do with our age and life experience. Okay. Because, okay, let's just pose this question. I mean, imagine if we posed this query to 22-year-old Brady. What would 22-year-old Brady say? Cause uh, yeah, I don't know that I would have been able to articulate it in that. Because your perspective is different now. You've kind of I've just noticed as I've kind of graced my way into thirties, and I'm you know headed right to forty. Yeah, you know that my perspective has definitely changed. I'm definitely less galvanized in position. I'll, so I'll, I'll tell you what's at twenty two. I would have had similar responses as we've talked about today with as far as it, the religious aspects, right? Cause I definitely was religious at that age. Everybody's a true believer in their twenties and whatever their, their, whatever that North star is, you are uh, a true believer right. in your twenties. You're new to that. But what I've seen transpire from 22 to 40 is how the concept of authority and having good authority figures and being able to submit to correct authority figures that benefit me in a positive way in my life, how how much I see that in in all aspects of my life, which confirms like the principle of like, this is good, like, yeah, this is an important thing in life because I see now, after 12 years of being a dentist, what happens when you're when you are your own authority when it comes to your teeth. I know what happens. I know what happens better than the people who are in that position. I know exactly what's going to happen to them. Because you see it over. I, I see it over and over again. Over I, I know where this. Day. I know where this story ends. I know exactly where it ends. So I see that in that in that aspect of 
dentistry, I see that in that aspect of like, crap, I don't know, I don't know anything about mechanics, but like if Lowell knows someone who's super solid person, honest, trustworthy and competent, man, that is valuable. That's a valuable, valuable thing. So you find someone who uh, is of that moral fiber, right? That moral, uh, uh, has that moral compass that is trustworthy, honest, will shoot you straight. Uh, you might be interested in learning more about where that person gets their information, right? What makes them that way? Why are they so willing to submit to a higher power when I feel really hesitant to do that, right? I feel like I don't want to trust this doc. I don't want to trust this religion. I don't want to trust this you know, religious book uh, or, or you know, movie or documentary or whatever it might be. So 22 versus 40-year-old Brady would say, I've just seen how important that is in religion at 22 and how I see that in daily life. And I see so many different variations of where this goes when you decide to be your own authority in every aspect of your life. That's true. I just feel like like it would just be a better world. <laughs> if, like What I've discovered in my old age here is that like I... I decided at 22, Lil, Lil at 22 was not a good person. He was not a good person. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, he was All right. He was a bad person. All right. He was selfish. He was vain. Okay. You know, he was aggravated. Okay. He was violent. Yes. You know, but like, one of the things that kind of happened as I got older, I was I decided, I don't, I don't remember exactly when it was, but there was a point where I just decided I wanted to be a better person. I wanted to try to... At least better myself just a little bit every day. Okay. You know, like baby steps. This kind of thing doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's baby steps. That's just a little piece at a time. But I, I have kind of lost that pride to where I think I'm right all the time. In fact, I will defend my position, but I am open to the fact that I could be wrong. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not like iron-sided in my opinions anymore. You know, obviously there's some like right and wrong things that I just inherently believe are universally wrong. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, some of the grayer ideas, you know, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I try not, I'm not galvanized in my position. It's good. It's important. Well, let's leave it at this. Let's leave it at, um, look for examples. I would just, the advice I'd give to anybody is look for examples in your life where you find the importance of having an authority figure, where you or, or you find also how detrimental it could be to your life when you don't have that. And um, keep on thinking about that as you are looking for your sources of information, sources of the things that form your behaviors, your work ethic, your moral behavior, your ethical behavior, all those things that make us who we are. Uh, uh, Look for the authority figures that are going to give you that positive push. And, and that way you can fully lean in without the suspicion or the skepticism that I had with that surgeon. Genuinely good human beings are really easy to spot, actually, strangely enough. So just keep your eye out. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, let's do a secret word before we forget. Oh, we went an hour. Look at that. Whew, whew. You guys still with us? <laughs> Anyone there? Check your pulse. Hello. <laughs> oh, how good I'm getting at this. You're getting really good at it. Okay. Um, let's do this. Uh, how about this one? What is the show 
that we talked about at the beginning of the episode that I am really into all of a sudden. What's the name of that show? That's our secret word. Uh, fifth person to email that secret word to us will get $500 in free dental work uh, at Comfort Dental Camus in Vancouver, Washington. Uh, email that secret word to drilledpodcast at gmail.com. The fifth person that submits that. Uh, let's do third. Let's do third person. Ooh, the third. Changing things the up. The thirsty third. The thirsty third person will get 500 bucks towards anything that they need. Um, also, it's been a little scant in the uh, participation. I am that. aware. It is increasing. the uh, increases the probability that you will win the $500. How about that? Um, join us next week where I will provide another life lesson for what it's worth to you that I've learned from dentistry that I think is applicable to, I think, everybody's life. So uh, I hope that's been helpful. Also, if you just want to email us what you think about this episode, that'd be cool. Uh, leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're getting your podcast from. Go and follow us on Halo Dental. Find out about all the charity work that we're doing. And uh, Lowell's got some cool videos coming up. I do. As always. A whole bunch of them. Got some cool stuff that we've been doing. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's uh, let's sign out and see you next week.